hi there, Ollie Anderson here. You're listening to Creative Status. If you don't know, this is the first time you found the podcast. Well, this is a place where we talk about using the creative process as a vehicle for bringing more realness into our lives. Realness means that we're connected to our true values, our true intentions, and we're taking the next obvious steps towards wholeness and connection rather than holding back with all of the unreal thoughts that our ego puts in the path before us, all of the mental blocks, the emotional blocks, and all that kind of stuff. If you don't know, my name is Ollie Anderson, like I already said, but I'm a creative performance coach, which means I help people to kind of implement a lot of these ideas in their lives and their business. You can learn more about me on my website, ollieanderson.co.uk. Every episode of Creative Status, I interview somebody who has something interesting to say about life based on their background or the work that they do. And then we try and look at how this relates to the creative process and to wholeness in general. My belief is that we're all dealing with the same reality, but we look at it from slightly different vantage points. And if we can understand that, then we can basically learn how to go deeper into life from absolutely anybody. Today's interview is with a Jungian life coach called Shadi Sadegi. Uh, she has loads of amazing stuff to say about Carl Jung and her own work that she's done, her own interpretations and uh, twists that she's put onto the things that she does to help people to kind of move towards individuation, which is the Jungian term, if you don't know, for basically moving towards wholeness and self-actualization. Loads of amazing stuff, loads of insight. I personally love Carl Jung anyway. I think he's uh, basically right about everything, like he was just kind of a genius. And ultimately... This is just a really powerful conversation. If you want to learn more about his work, if you want to learn more about life itself. So, Shadi, thank you so much for your time. Everyone else, thanks for listening. Here's the interview. I'll see you again next Monday for another episode of Creative Status. Boom. Oh, hi there, Shadi. Thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of Creative Status. Um, you are a follower, shall we say, of somebody that I really admire, Carl Jung. You use his uh, work in your own work. So I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a moment. But before we do, would you just like to introduce yourself, tell people what you're all about and also what you want to get out of this conversation that we're about to indulge in? Sure. Thanks, Ali. Thanks for having me. Um, yes, not only am I a fan of Carl Jung, uh, I am a certified Jungian life coach. Um, so... I actually have had over 15 years of personal development experience, um, read all the books, all the self-help, personal development books, you name it, I've heard of it. Mm. Um, but really, I think, and I've done the therapy thing, I, you know, um, I've gone through that. And then I think what really just completely changed my life was getting a Jungian life coach myself and wow. then becoming certified and then realizing that I want to help bring people to the light, <laughs> so to speak, myself. Wow. So I suppose the obvious question there is, what is it about Carl Jung's work that kind of appeals to you so much? Like personally, I think he's right about nearly everything. But <laughs> what was it about the Jungian stuff that kind of clicked for you? You know. Um, I think what clicked for me is, so because I had really read all the books, I'd done the therapy, I'd listened to every webinar, podcast, you name it. And I think that, like you said, I think Young just gets, is like the source of, mm -hmm. you know, and it's a psychological basis, right? It's a psychological theory mm. of how human the human psyche develops and the mm. stages in which it develops. So it was almost like a guide map like a roadmap wow. for me yeah. Yeah. and understanding why I do the things I do or why I did the things I did and why I would get stuck in certain mm. patterns and not mm. be able to mm. go towards what I wanted. And I just, to me, yeah. And then, you know, you read about, you read about law of attraction manifestation and like mm. all these woo woo things. <laughs> and, um, which are also part of our reality, which are part of, you know, our, the world we live in, the universe we live in. But mm. I think Jung was a more practical, modern mm. approach to mm. that. Mm. And mm. that's what really resonated for me. 
Yeah. So for people that aren't familiar with his work, so people that are listening, how would you describe, I suppose, the short version of that kind of playbook that you just described for the psyche? I know that's a really big question, but like, what what is the short version of the pathway he talks about? So essentially, uh, what Jung uncovered in, you know, through, he was a psychiatrist and a psychologist. So he started mm -hmm. to see patterns with his, his patients. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then he also started to um, implement sort of a, a, an approach to, <clears throat> to breaking those patterns in his own life. Mm -hmm. And he discovered that ultimately, everyone is on this path to Mm. self-actualization and mm. he called that mm. path individuation yeah. and individuation is essentially the what i like to say it's the western modern world word for enlightenment mm. so becoming mm. uh whole essentially mm. becoming more of uh your potential and your true self mm. brilliant so now you're talking my language because one of my favorite words is wholeness so the main premise of this whole podcast is that the creative process is a journey of going from a fragmented state to a state yeah. of more wholeness. And yeah. that can actually apply to anything. So if you use the, that way of describing it or defining it, anything can be a creative process. The way that you drive your car, the way that you talk to other people, you can create opportunities in your life for bringing more wholeness into your own experience and the way that you relate to other people. Um, so one thing that I'm always talking about in relation to that is that as we go from fragmentation to wholeness, we have to make the unconscious conscious, which is, yep. that is literally a Carl Jung quote, it's verbatim. There's a, a famous thing that he said, he says, uh, until you discover the unconscious, it will, you know, rule your life or whatever it is, and you'll call it God. And ultimately, the unconscious is basically driving everything that we do. And until we become yeah. aware of that and allow it to become conscious, then we're always going to be fragmented and divided and blah, 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 blah. And that is not going to allow us to get the results that we want to from life. So that was a very long-winded way of saying that. But what do you have to say about that just before we uh, dive into Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, not only... Um not only is it it's it yes it's creating our life but it's because we are acting from that fragmented place so yeah, yeah. the majority of people think that they're you know they have they form an identity which is it is the natural process of mm, of mm, growing up mm. that you form an identity i am you know mm. a um a good student i'm an introvert i am a lawyer a doctor whatever i'm a good daughter and so with that you know, identity comes a whole host of actions and habits mm. and patterns mm. that you have decided is mm. going to help you survive. And mm. so, so the, what doesn't help you survive or what is, mm. you know, socially unacceptable or inappropriate based on your childhood, you mm. push away into mm. your unconscious. And so that's mm. how we become fragmented. And then we go through our life just creating from that, you know, just that part. It's like yeah. a piece yeah. of who we are. It's not the totality of who yeah. we are. And a, yeah. a lot of our gifts and talents and potential mm -hmm. and fulfillment and happiness is, is in our unconscious. So mm -hmm. like you said it, the more that we become conscious and aware, then we can actually choose who we want to become and what kind of life we want to create. And then that is what creates massive shifts in mm -hmm. our lives. Yeah. So is it fair to say then that individuation is just about raising our awareness so that we can accept ourselves more and then we can take better actions in life? Because if we go through that process of moving towards wholeness, we find a solid foundation on which to build our lives instead of just building it according to this unreal identity that we might have picked up uh, in childhood or wherever we picked it up. Um, and then filtered everything that we do through that. And so actually, it's just about reconfiguring the way that we relate to ourselves so that we can have a better relationship with life. 100%.
yeah, that's it. That's okay. exactly it. So what is it that causes us to attach to an unreal identity in the first place? Like, I know it's kind of a, a broad question and it'll be slightly different for everybody, but what is it that causes people to kind of go into hiding originally anyway, so they, they even need to go through this process? Like if it's such a natural process, why are so many of us not aligned with that all the time anyway? Yeah, so two parts to that. So the first part is I think that it is a natural process, but I also think that modern society mm. ha has been set up in a way, uh, unfortunately, so that um, most people don't typically advance um, mm -hmm. from a certain stage of the individuation process. So wow. that's that's where they kind of get stuck. And I mean, you can define that now as like, quote unquote, midlife crisis. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that when you look at um, ancient cultures, traditions, mm -hmm. even, you know, um, old times, <laughs> as they say, mm -hmm. um, there were certain there were certain um, traditions and practices in mm -hmm. place that mm -hmm. almost were like helping the yeah. individual yeah. step into the next uh, phase of their development. So, mm -hmm. you know, a, a lot of, um, I think a lot of, you know, Native American tribes, they mm -hmm. had, it was like the village raised mm -hmm. the children. Um, they, they helped them to become men and women earlier on. And I mm -hmm. think, and to stay true mm -hmm. to themselves, not mm -hmm. to say that, you know, back then, they weren't split or fragmented or they didn't you know, yeah. form unconscious. That is, I think that is the right, that is the human experience, no mm -hmm. matter what mm -hmm. that is part of the experience, but we often get stuck in a stage of development. Wow. And then I forget what was the first part of your question too. You said something else. So ultimately um, just why is it that we become fragmented in the way that way? Yes. It, 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 yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So like I said, we, we become, I think we become fragmented essentially it's based on multiple factors. So mm -hmm. DNA and genetics, you cannot ignore that. There are certain, um, mm. as they say, a loaded gun, right? If there is a certain type of cancer mm. um, that is in your lineage, um, it's been passed down. Um, that is, that's epigenetics. We inherit mm. that, mm. right? Mm. And mm. then there is your actual, um, childhood experience within your family structure, within mm. your community, mm. within society, you know, on a smaller scale and then at a larger scale. Mm. And then there's the culture that you grow up in as mm. well. All of mm. these are different factors that shape mm. um, an individual's um, experience of mm. what is it okay for me to be mm. so that I can survive in this moment. Wow. And it's very subtle, very mm. knee jerk. Mm very much you know we often imitate or replicate one of our mm. parents mm. and so that's why you know generational influence is so impactful mm. because we're often learning from a parent we're learning how to love we're learning how to make money mm. from in, in, immediately initially from our caretakers mm. Uh, mm. and then it can be uh, reinforced or perpetuated by our school system, by our culture, by our friends, our, mm. you know, the job mm. that we end up getting into. And so it can be, it becomes stronger and stronger. That ego forms, mm. you know, mm -hmm. it develops mm -hmm. and becomes stronger and stronger. Yeah. Like I always look at the uh, ego as basically been the world internalized. So we pick up all these external ideas and we take them on board has been true, but then eventually we start to identify with them as well. And so I, our identity becomes outside in instead of inside out. And when we end up putting totally. ourselves in that situation, that's when we end up becoming incredibly fragmented because we're just owning parts of ourselves that are socially acceptable. And so that means that we're going to disown a bunch of parts which are very real and very necessary and are never going to go anywhere but we create a version of ourselves where those parts are kind of out of sight out of mind that's when we end up getting the shadow self so i think we should explore that in a minute but i want to backtrack a little bit to what you were just saying about 
how society ultimately either supports our development and journey towards wholeness or it kind of uh, causes us to hold back or to remain in a kind of arrested state of development or whatever, where we're, we're basically in a bubble, we're stuck. So when you were talking about the tribes and everything like that, like the Native Americans or you know all, all of these kind of ancient cultures, they used to have rites of passage, didn't they? So exactly. the, the famous example is, you know, once a, a boy uh, reached puberty or whatever it was, he was going to be a man, mm-hmm. they'd take him out to go hunting and, you know, he might w- wander off into the desert or whatever by himself and he'd, he'd have some kind of experience where, you know, he might figure out what his spirit animal is or something like that. But the point is those rituals would be built into the culture and they would yep. actually support the journey from one stage of development to the next because basically once they came back from that rite of passage they were no no longer in in the realm of childhood they were like actual adults they were men they understood more about life and reality and all that kind of stuff so do you think and i'm making a big assumption but do you think based on the fact that those kind of rites of passage are not as common in our society now than they may have maybe once were do you think that we're kind of living in a bubble where we're actually hiding from some of the harsher realities of life, I guess, and that is causing us to not be as whole as we can be because you have to face the dark stuff, you know, like if you go out hunting and all that mm. kind of stuff, you have to face the dark stuff in order to, to become whole, basically. So is, is mm. there something there? Like I'm kind of making it too broad, but what do you think? Interesting. You know, it's funny, you, you use the word bubble, but I to me, like a bubble feels safe mm. and mm. protective. And yes, and I get that element of it. What you're what you're implying is mm. um, sort of people are shielded from facing their fears or fully accepting mm. um, these aspects of themselves as they're growing up. I mean, you know, going through puberty, going through you know, teenager years, et cetera, et cetera, into adulthood. But to me, I feel like because modern society is lacking those um, community Mm. safeguards Mm. to evolve and to make mistakes or to face their fears, you know, Mm. whatever those Mm. ritualistic Mm. practices are, those traditions Mm. are, it's Mm. almost like people are flailing, like kids are flailing. Mm. And so especially with technology, what do they look to? They look to um, because they don't have the tri- the the community elder or the tribe, uh, you know the the mm-hmm. tribe elder mentor. They look mm-hmm. to social media. They look to celebrities, pro athletes. They look to if you're lucky, you have an aunt or uncle mm-hmm. that you admire, you know, mm-hmm. or an elder in your family or your culture. But I think that they're actually um, mm-hmm. they're. Mm-hmm they're they're flailing that's it's like it's not a bubble it's so much it's like they're going through we are inevitably going to go through struggles and challenges in mm. you know in different chapters of our lives and different phases of development in our lives but mm. there's just no one um and their parents are also they have the same experience right when mm. you look back like one yeah, two yeah, yeah. three four yeah. generations back mm. um so it's like the flailing are are raising more flailing in children yeah, 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 or, yeah. and it's inadvertent, you know, it's, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, um, criticizing parents. Mm. Parents are parenting is the hardest, one of the hardest, it is the hardest job I think mm. on the planet mm. and they're doing the best that they can. Mm. But, um, I think that society also like society is reflecting mm. the individual, right? Mm. So mm. when, when you see large communities inable, unable to fess up to their mistakes or mm-hmm. um, their uh, shortcomings or whatever, their shame or anything like that, mm-hmm. then individuals also will do the same. They will not yeah, yeah. face aspects mm-hmm. of themselves that yeah. they are either afraid of or ashamed mm. of and that is those shadow aspects that you talk mm. about mm. yeah so they just stay in the unconscious the unconscious mind and it just sort of yeah. gets bigger and bigger and bigger until one day it is just no longer sustainable mm. and then yeah. boom you got the midlife crisis <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like i think the a simple way to look at it is exactly like you said so if 
if one generation becomes disconnected from reality for whatever reason, and they're, they're basically taking themselves off of the path collectively towards moving to whole, towards wholeness, which means facing all of the dark stuff about life, you know, death, uh, that we're going to make mistakes, blah, 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 all these things yeah. that trigger yeah. our shame. If we try and live in a way that puts that, uh, keeps it at arm's length, then ultimately we are creating a collective ego that is going to be yep. passed on to the next generation and then the next generation and the next generation. Exactly. Society is just other people, isn't it? And so if the people yep. are unreal, i.e. they're not moving towards wholeness, if they're unreal as individuals, then the society as a whole is going to be unreal as well. Something I'm always saying is if, if you put real in, you get real out. If you put unreal in, you get unreal out. And yep. Because society has kind of been built by people who are disconnected from meaning or truth for whatever reason in general, obviously not everybody is disconnected in this way, then society ends up reflecting that. So can we say that you've, you've kind of just said it, right? On, on an individual level, if you avoid the truth for too long, then eventually something is going to happen because it's not sustainable and the truth is going to come sweeping back into your life. Oh yeah. You'll have a midlife crisis or, yeah. you know, you'll hit rock bottom. And ultimately when that happens, I always think it's because your unconscious drives, your unconscious yep. drive to be real and to move towards wholeness yep. is basically reconfiguring your life so that you go back on the right path. So that happens with individuals, but is it likely that that is either going to happen or is in the or is in the process of happening with you know society as a whole so we're taking it in a totally different direction but, <laughs> but what do you think um i mean look around yeah. <laughs> what's happening right now since yeah, 2020 yeah. um i think that we are as a as a collective mm. listen Jungian theory mm. says and this is this is also very much aligned with ancient religions, Buddhism, Hinduism. We are all connected. Mm. So in Jungian psychology, mm. uh, there is something called the unconscious mm. collective. The, per, the there's the personal, which is on an individual level, which is just my unconscious, my shadow. Mm. And then the the deeper you go, then there's the the archetypal world that mm. is the next stage of individuation. And then the next stage after that is the collective unconscious mm -hmm. are we are all connected so what we are seeing in society at a large mm -hmm. is reflecting uh our mm -hmm. internal conflict mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so i think that wow. um i think that this is an incredible time in history <laughs> in in the development of uh, humankind, and I, mm. I know that sounds very trite, or, or I don't want to downplay people's struggles and what's happening in the world. But um, absolutely, I think that what what we are seeing is um, many people, at, especially since twenty twenty, are mm. Mm. whether they like it or not, whether they're conscious of it or not, mm. are facing their shadow yeah, aspects. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And going through that. And so on an individual basis, I mean, just look at statistically, look at the mental health numbers as well. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's mm -hmm. going to reflect in it. And the, many people call this the dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. this is a, a process in which, um, one, you know, one must go through at one point in their life, uh, mm -hmm. many points actually in their yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. And so, the way that I, this is why I feel like Jungian coaching is so helpful is because it's expected that you're going to go through that, but we want to be more conscious and aware. Mm -hmm. And instead of having, as I call it, the cosmic bus kind of mm -hmm. drag you <laughs> towards your wholeness, mm -hmm. it's, I, you know, it's important to be more conscious and aware of, of going towards it instead of, you know, one day just um, mm -hmm. waking up and, uh, you know, blowing up your life. Yeah. We don't want that for anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you live in the right way or in a real way, you're constantly evolving and expanding and responding to the wholeness in yourself and then the wholeness in life. 
externally. Yeah. Ex- yeah. But if you don't yep. live in that way, well, the alternative is that you're unreal, which means that you're clinging to the filter of the ego as if that's true. But the ego only exists in order to help you survive what you think you've already been through. Okay, that's a good thing. But also yeah. it exists to keep the shadow self at bay. This exactly. is how I see it. The ego and the shadow are always in constant conflict. But the the ego is ultimately a product of the conscious mind and the shadow is, is a product of or is the thing that drives or kind of fuels the unconscious mind. And so individually... I found like in my own life and like working with people in in my own coaching practice, sometimes when we're going through that dark night of the soul, in fact, not sometimes, always, if we're going through the dark night of the soul, it means that we have reached the end of the line when it comes to the current version of our, of our ego. We're holding on to an idea that is devoid of meaning and is not actually getting us the results that we need in reality. And so the dark night of the soul it's basically a call to, to wake the fuck up. It's, it's saying, look, now is yep. the time for you to raise your awareness and to reconfigure your belief system can, so you can start flowing with reality. Again. And yep. people resist because obviously if you let go of the ego, then the shadow is going to come swimming up to the surface. Then you're going to have to feel the shame, the guilt, the trauma that you've been hiding from and all the, all the disowned parts. You're going to have to make friends with them again, blah, blah, blah. If you keep resisting, you get to the point where you become self-destructive. Like you might end up getting an addiction. You might start making really bad choices, you know, as a way of escaping this reality that is calling to you. But that self-destruction is actually self-resurrection. And so that's the worst case scenario is that you don't listen. You'll destroy yourself. But actually, that process of self-destruction is so that the real you can rise again to the surface. Yeah. And I suppose that is potentially happening collectively as well. Because what you said, the collective unconscious, there's a shadow there. There's things that we've disowned about humanity as a whole. But we have to own them and face them because they're real. Yeah. And real always works. So I suppose the question is, what do you Ooh, think about that? I just that? got goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, you hit it. Okay. Yeah, yep. thank you. What, what do you think about the whole self-destruction thing? But also, we we were talking before the call about this idea of like shadow language or you call it mirror work, which is the idea that, you know, the unconscious stuff is always there. It's always screaming from beneath the surface of what we think we know at the level of the ego, the conscious mind, blah, blah, blah. But if we can learn to listen we can avoid having to hit rock bottom and go through that self-destruction, self-resurrection process and to start flowing with like awareness and acceptance and then inspired action, as, as I always say it. Um, so what would you say about all that? And I know there's probably loads that you could say. <laughs> yeah, so two parts again. I want to go back to what you were just saying with um, really what society is going through, what the collective is going through. I think that, do you follow Gabor Mate at all? Um, Are you familiar with him? I, I think I heard him on a podcast or something, but I haven't, I haven't read his books or anything. Yeah. So I think, um, I believe he's a psychologist. Uh, he's a Canadian, he's a Hungarian Canadian psychologist mm, actually. Mm. Is he Hungarian? Yeah, he's Hungarian. Um, and he has exploded like in the last year. And I, he, he talks to this very much. And I think he is, Actually, he may be a psychiatrist. I think he's from in the medical field because he is the first of his kind that is getting a platform at the scale where he is very vocally talking about this concept of, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, he talks specifically about trauma and addictions and that self-destructive behavior mm-hmm. and that it is a protective mechanism. It's mm-hmm. not that people are willfully choosing to do drugs or, you know, uh, numb themselves. It is a protective mechanism, which as you described, it is the ego. It is the ego trying to keep the shadow at bay. Mm -hmm. And I call the ego, the overprotective bouncer, Mm. (laughs) like the (laughs) overprotective bouncer at the door. Mm. Um, and it, it wants your best interest. Mm. Uh, it's protective. And then, um, so he, you know, if he had surfaced, like I would say even two years ago, 
I don't think the world would have been ready for him. Mm -hmm. And I think that that just goes to show that people are um, going through enough struggles where they're beginning to, this is resonating for them. What he's speaking to, what we're speaking to really Mm -hmm. is, is more resonating for people because they're ready for it. And Mm -hmm. um, so that was what I wanted to say. And then the, um, Damn, you asked such great questions, Ollie. I missed the second part, the last part of the question, which I wanted to get back to. I might be wrong, but basically it was about the, the self-destruction is self-resurrection thing. Um, yes. Yeah. And then the, then you said something. Then the part after that, we, you took it in another direction. Um, um, yeah. I'm, I'm having <laughs> one of those moments where I've got a brain freeze. I don't know. But I know. Ba- basically, um, it's, it's okay. So... What we're saying is the ego. Yeah, me too. But okay, so the ego is a protective device. That's true, right? But the thing is, it causes us to protect ourselves so much that we start forcing life instead of flowing with it. And the second part Uh, of the question was about the shadow language or the, the mirror stuff. So, uh, yes, yes. I, I think we end up being so busy forcing life that we become blind to all of these kind of uh, these whispers, shall we say, or these signs yeah. that the shadow yeah. is throwing at us. And so is there something there where we can learn to listen to that stuff so we can avoid hitting rock bottom and having to destroy Yeah, ourselves. that was it. Yeah. I remember now. Yeah. So really the secret is, and this is easier said than done, I mean, this is essentially shadow work is to, to see everything that is coming up in your reality, in your mm. life as mm. feedback. Yes. And it is, it is, oh. so it is mirroring, uh, how your internal, mm. uh, belief system mm. and your mm. unconscious mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. reality is mind. Mm. That's like what I always say. Your reality is your mind is reflecting your mind. Wow. And, and I know that's oversimplifying it. Um, and it's not that easy. It's super hard because ultimately that means owning your shit. Mm. And it means that you are accountable mm. for everything that's showing up in your yeah, life yeah, and yeah. that's coming into your life. Mm. And I don't mean to say, you know, because people are like, well, what about if like you get cancer? What about if like an accident happens or something like that? Yes, of course, those things happen or going to happen in life, right? Mm-hmm. But how you respond to it mm. is going to create your life, is going mm. to create your reality. Mm. And how you respond is dictated. Wow by unresolved unconscious aspects but there is also an element where we can go totally crazy and off the charts and say that we do attract everything that comes into our experience and obviously if life sucks right now if you're at the start of this individuation process and you're really fragmented and you're stuck in a victim mindset and blah 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 hearing somebody say you attract everything in your life is yeah. going to be very offensive because obviously you don't want yeah. to admit that all these bad things are down to you at some level. But ultimately, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. If you put unreal in, you get unreal out. If you put you're real right. in, you put you get real out, right? And so if you're at the start yeah. of this journey of moving from fragmentation to wholeness, the void within you between the shadow self and the ego that you're putting out to the world that is going to be, um, there's going to be a big gap, basically. There's going to be a big chasm. And if that chasm's there, you're going to have emotional turbulence of some kind because there's yeah. there's no way that you can't, because that, that gap between the ego and the shadow needs to be as narrow as possible in order for you to feel whole within yourself. And if you can feel whole within yourself, then your inner state means that you're going to be putting out wholeness into the world. You're going to be putting real out there and so you're more likely to get real back and it, even on the most basic level if you don't want to sound like a, a lunatic you could just say that if you're fragmented within yourself you're going to make fragmented choices which is going to cause fragmented things to come into your life yeah if, if you're Mixed feeling messages yeah yep. yeah exactly right and so yep. you could say that probably and this is a question for you instead of me ranting and raving but could you say that 
you know, if somebody has a lot of friction in their life, so things are constantly going wrong, you know, mistakes are constantly being made, relationships are fractured and there's tension and drama and blah, 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 blah. If life is like that, that is a sign, I would say, that you have to do some inner work, even if it's just learning to set healthy boundaries or something like that. But your external state always reflects what's going on inside of you. Is, is that true? 1,000%. Yeah. So 1000%. Yep. Yeah. So what what are some of the things then that we can look out for? So what kind of things might be happening in our life that we can take as a sign to you know get our shit together basically. And then how do we go about doing that? Oof. All right. So we're going we're going the tough love route with on this on this episode. All right. Um for those who are experiencing a lot of conflict, drama, friction, mm. like always, mm. you know, mm. nothing mm. works out for me. Nothing, you know, why does this keep happening to me? I honestly, the very first mm. um, integral step mm. of change mm. is accepting responsibility for yeah. how are you contributing to mm. all of these things in your life. Mm. And how are, you know, wow. how might you, number one, how might you, not even how might you be contributing, but are, I think that, um, mm. I don't like to say this, but, be, you know, the victim mentality, because the victim mentality is necessary as well. I think that that is a protective mechanism and I mm. honor mm. that aspect mm. of the individual psyche. But I think that, as soon as I sense myself feeling like X, Y, Z is happening to me, mm. that is a telltale sign. I'm giving my power away to something outside of mm. me and I'm mm. not owning mm. my, my responsibility for mm. my mm. life. Mm. Mm. And so if we are in a toxic relationship, for example, mm. um, I'm not saying that the other person is not toxic or I'm not saying that the circumstances are, uh, are not, you know, you're up against a wall. You know, of course you are, but uh, you're also complicit. Mm. And I think that mm. that's the piece yeah. that um, is integral to change is in really arming yourself with that knowledge that I'm mm. in control. Of. I get to, you know, yes, I'm choosing to stay in a toxic relationship, or situation, you know, it could mm. be work, uh, mm. and I'm complicit, and that's mm. still a choice. Yeah. The alternative may not be a comfortable choice, mm. but you always have the power mm. to choose. Mm. Choice and, is yeah. so important. Yeah, sorry. Like the choice no, thing, if you can get to that place where you can make real choices, i.e. you're coming from a a place of wholeness within yourself, then it means that you have gone through some kind of a process of raising awareness of all this stuff. The problem is for a lot of people that they're kind of running on autopilot. Like the ego stuff, yeah. it's kind of like a program that's just running in their minds based yeah. on you know what we've been saying about the shadow and the ego and their need to survive whatever it is that they've already been through and to avoid situations like that again in the, in the future. But the thing is, if we're running on autopilot like that, then mm -hmm. we are just going to attract more drama and more mm -hmm. bullshit because anytime that drama and bullshit comes into our lives, we're going to react to it based on that programming. And so there's an element, I think, where we need to, dissolve the shame and and maybe guilt and to some extent trauma but we need to dissolve the shame that is causing us or people in general people who are suffering from this problem we need to dissolve the shame that is causing them to rely on the autopilot rather than than their feeling of realness or the connection to wholeness that is their real state because once you come from that real place the place of wholeness all of that drama and all of that toxicity and all of those things that can happen when we've been unreal, it kind of just dissolves. It gets neutralized because as soon as the unreal stuff meets the real intention within, within whoever it is that we're talking about, then 
it's basically seen to be unreal and it has no power. And so it's only us being unreal that gives power to other unreal situations, if that makes sense. And the way out of that is to stop being driven by shame, I found, and to dissolve the shame so that you can let the ego kind of lose its power to some extent and you can start coming from that real place. If that makes so sense. Can I interject yeah. real quick? Yeah. So I I I hear you and the you can't dissolve shame. So the thing is what people do is they integrate it because nobody likes yeah. to feel shame. Nobody likes to face shame. So we avoid it. We numb ourselves. We distract mm. ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, if you imagine a scenario, if you're public speaking and in a moment you forget what you're about to say, mm. I think it's very instinctive, uh, you know, for someone to, feel, you know, it's like you feel this sense of shame, your cheeks get flushed, mm. you, you know, your hands, your palms get sweaty. And mm. in that moment we squash it. That is the autopilot reaction. So that mm. is how we've been conditioned. You know, it doesn't feel good. We mm. don't like to feel shame. So mm. it is automatic instinct to just squash it and push it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And whatever you're you're pushing away, whatever you're resisting is going to persist. Yeah, so yeah. You're, you're going to create persist? more mm. right. You're going to create more experiences of shame because yeah, yeah. you're avoiding it. Yeah, yeah. So what you actually want to do is bring light to it. You wanna you wanna sit with it yeah, you want to yeah. integrate it and you want mm. to observe mm. uh why it's coming up and why mm. it's so bad what, mm. what is so mm. you know what it why is the ego defending a feeling it's just a feeling in the body it's uncomfortable mm. yeah, yeah it yeah. doesn't feel great but mm. the sooner you actually just sit with it or mm. honor it or mm. see it and observe mm. it for what mm. it is mm. then it dissipates right yeah, yeah, so yeah, then yeah. it like sort of subsides Mm. And then you start to see like, oh, wow, that's not a big deal, actually. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah. and that's when the resistance sort of subsides as well. And then it just becomes more state of flow. And, and that's really part of the individuation process yeah. is integrating these uncomfortable mm. emotions. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's actually what I mean by shame dissolving. So shame driven, it's exactly what you said. People who are shame driven, they, they try to resist it. And like Carl Jung said, what you resist persists. And so it just causes the problem to get worse. But in relation to all this stuff that we've been talking about, ego is the thing. It's kind of, it's basically the glue that holds the ego together. Shame is the glue that holds the ego together because the fear of feel, feeling that shame is what causes people to run around like headless chickens on autopilot totally. to keep it at bay. Yeah. And shame dissolving, I would say, is where you accept that it's a real thing. Okay, you feel it, but by feeling it and staring it right in the face, that's when it kind of disappears. You realize that it has no power over you because shame is yep. all, shame that drives you and controls you is always an ego thing because it's always about judgment and the ego is ultimately the, the illusion of judgment. And so when you step away from that and put yourself back on path to wholeness, then you can kind of step back and come from that real place where all of these things like the, the drama and the bullshit and the toxicity that we were talking about, those things, they rest on the ego um, having a hold over somebody, basically. And so if you can step away from one, you can step away from the other. But the only way to do it is to kind of ride through the shame or to integrate it or to face it, whatever word you want to use, which means that you can bring the shadow self to the surface as well. And then that gap we were talking about between the ego and the shadow gets narrower and narrower, and then we'll make better choices in life, ultimately. Because it's, it's all kind well, of linked. it also releases sort of this repressed energy because feelings mm -hmm. are are usually they're they're it's energy. So it's it's creative energy. It's energy to be free. Mm -hmm. And when mm -hmm. you integrate these repressed aspects, uh, when you really release them, mm -hmm. it's like letting them out of Pandora's box. Mm -hmm. uh, it it opens up this energy yeah. um, to mm -hmm. create something new, something outside of that shame pattern. Or mm. I think anxiety is another one that just came to me. I think it's so prevalent right now mm. um, across society. As, as I say this, there's a siren in the background. <laughs> um, uh, and I think that people's struggles with anxiety is because they're, they're resisting it it's mm, like it has mm. a hold on them because they're so resistant to just yeah, yeah. letting it surface and mm. sitting with it and becoming mm. aware of it and what mm. and then the more you become aware of it then the more you start to see how it's been a defense tactic implemented from 
a really early age, sometimes often from a very small, you know, experience, or it could be a trauma. It doesn't even have to be a massive trauma. It could be from anything, you know, experience you had with a parent Mm. or a caregiver. Mm. And then your body kicks into that fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response. Mm. Mm. And then as you grow up, you know, the mind doesn't know the difference between that experience from childhood mm. or, you know, and your boss chastising you or mm. something, you know, something mm. that could seem very trivial, mm. but then your, your nervous system kicks in mm. with mm. that same response mm. because it immediately associates it with that childhood experience, mm. that conditioned mm. response. And so the sooner you just so it was planted there a long time ago. It is yeah. just a defense mechanism. It was yeah, planted yeah, yeah. So the sooner you actually just sit with it and mm. and give it what it needs, which mm. sometimes mm. is just the chance to be seen and heard. It's mm. just, a, it's a part of us. It's this energy that just yeah. wants to be acknowledged. Yeah. Then the sooner it's released mm. and um, then wow. you can start to see like, holy cow, like <laughs> I've been doing this unconsciously. I've been doing this without recognizing it in certain situations. Yeah. Do you think we could say that that release is ultimately the return to reality or wholeness, whatever word we're going to use? So I think a lot of the issues we're talking about, so, you know, anxiety, depression, blah, blah, all these things that can show up in people's lives, they're symptoms of being detached from reality in some sense. And I know reality kind of has a bad reputation. People say, you know, if you say get real, it can sometimes mean give up on your dreams or whatever, but getting real, being mm. real actually means putting yourself in alignment with wholeness. And anytime you right. start to, you start to believe things that take you away from that because of the programming, the scripts, the assumptions you picked up in childhood, blah, blah, blah. If you start believing that stuff and it's unreal, it just adds unnecessary tension to your experience and that tension is what you know what we call anxiety depression blah 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 toxicity in relationships all it's just all the same thing which is something that is causing us to move towards unreality rather than reality and so i suppose you know we've covered a lot but to wrap all this up could we say that the release of that tension that you were just talking about is just the return you know, to wholeness or whatever we want to say. So, yeah, I mean, the way I see it is it's mm. radical acceptance. Mm. So it's radical acceptance is returning to your wholeness. Yeah. So yeah. we are born whole, yeah. right? And I mean, yeah. in spiritual concepts and mm. theory, you can say mm. we're born light, we're born love and light, right? Mm. And then through our conditioning, it's like these veils, <clears throat> just get layered and layered and layered mm, on top, mm, which is mm. the tension that you describe. It's this resistance to what is. Mm. And we are, it's almost like we're in denial of reality, of the truth of who we are, Yeah, yeah. right? Mm. And then the more you start to um, become aware and more conscious and integrate those repressed aspects of yourself, mm. you mm. are lifting those veils yes. and returning Yep. to the truth of who you yes. are, yes. which is a being of love and light mm. and mm. Uh, accepting. Mm. So what does that mean? That means accepting that at any moment, if I feel like crap, okay, yeah. I'm going to accept this reality that I feel like crap right now. I'm going to yeah. sit with it yeah. Yeah. and I'm going to accept I feel like crap right now. And then it subsides mm. even much faster. Mm. It's incredible. I mean, a yeah. lot of my clients are like, wow, just sitting with it sometimes <laughs> like, I'm like, holy cow, it just went away. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And the more you accept mm. whoever and whatever mm. you are yeah. or whatever your reality is, even mm. if it's not true, mm. the sooner you accept it in that moment, yes, my boss and I don't get along, or yeah. yes, I am in a bad marriage, the sooner you accept that and you mm. accept mm. how you're showing up in response to that mm. and owning it, then you mm. are returning to yes. Yes. Yourself, your wholeness. Yeah. Love it. And it goes full circle because actually at the start of the conversation, we were saying, you know, if you've got all this stuff going on inside where you become fragmented, then ultimately you start making choices about your life that are motivated by the ego stuff only. And yeah. if you start making yeah. those choices, then obviously your life is going to become unreal. And so if you accept everything, no matter what, 
then obviously you're going to accept reality. But if you accept reality, it's a shortcut to accepting yourself as well. And if you have exactly acceptance of yourself, that gap between the ego and the shadow and between, you know, you and everything else is going to become narrower and narrower and narrower. And that's when life is going to move in the direction that it needs to. Not that you think it should because of all your programming and so on and so forth. So we've been talking quite a long time. It's gone quick. I always say that, but it's, it's always true. <laughs> Have you got any final words to sum up everything that we talked about? No pressure because we talked about a lot of stuff. But how would you I sum know up- we covered a lot. Yeah. But how would you sum up this conversation? And also, can you tell people where they can learn more about you and your coaching and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I know it sounds really simple yet poignant, but like we are, um, we are in, we are in the driver's seat. That's Mm. ultimately, and I, Mm. I've, I've said, I say this over and over again, and I think a lot of people sort of feel helpless or powerless in whatever Mm. situation they're in, Mm. but, um, rest assured you are you are in the driver's seat of your life mm-hmm. at any moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, the sooner that we can take ownership of that, then the sooner we can create change mm-hmm. towards a desired outcome mm-hmm. or a desired reality or what mm-hmm. we really truly want that is aligned with our wholeness and mm-hmm. who we are. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so you can find me on Instagram. Um, my handle is at this life fulfilled. F-U-L-F-I-L-L-E-D. And um, I, I offer a complimentary consult session with anyone who's interested uh, or curious about my work. Um, and I do, I am taking one-on-one clients right now at the moment. And you can email me, you can DM me on Instagram, or if you're not on Instagram, you can email me. Um, my name, my first name is spelled S-H-A-D-I. And my email address is shadi at intuit, I-N-T-U-I-T coaching.com perfect so i'll share all your links and everything in the show notes um but shadi thank you so much for coming on here and uh sharing all this stuff it's been really awesome to hear about it so thank really you, appreciate Ollie. it it was so fun talking with you we could talk you. about this forever yeah that's the thing i think i could keep going for like another few hours but i'll, I'll save you from <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs>